Thank you, Miss Monica. I'm thankful that he came. I'm thankful that he was born. I'm thankful that he died. And I'm thankful he arose from the tomb. Uh, there'd be no salvation. Well, I'm thankful for my pastor, Brother Gaddis, and thankful for the opportunity they have to be able to preach the Word of God tonight. I want you to take your Bible. I want you to turn to Psalm 119. Might just consider the whole thing tonight. But I know I'm dealing with people that wouldn't do that. So we're just going to consider one section tonight. I really, um, I really feel like I heard from the Lord on this. I really feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. Psalm 119, I want to just read. We're going to read the 11th stanza. That's verse number 81 down through verse number 88. I want you to notice with me, follow along as I read. My soul fainteth. For thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for the word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They, watch this here. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. And for the next few moments tonight, I, I want to preach about this. I want to preach about this from this text. Hanging on to hope when you're hopeless and helpless. Because that's what the psalmist did here. And we're going to talk about that because I believe it has great application as we end this year and as we look forward to a brand new year, 2024, we're going to need this. I'm going to need this. I've needed it in my past. I'm going to need it in the future. I just want to be an encouragement to you tonight. Father, thank you for the word of God. And thank you for each one that is here tonight. And I certainly pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me and speak through me. And Lord, help me to very carefully uh, explain the text here and make application. Because your word is what we really need to hang on to tonight in every situation that we face in our life. And no doubt there are many different situations that people are facing in this auditorium tonight. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, take what was written long ago, it's been preserved, and would you apply it to every individual life here tonight? And I pray that we would have hope in a day and time when we find ourselves, when it seems like there's no help and there's no hope. We always have hope. So I pray you'll bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. I had the wonderful privilege uh, to pastor my first church in a place called Johnson, Kansas. Town about a little over 1,300 people. It was a mile square. And it was great. I was there for seven years, seven years to the date before I went back, uh, left there and God moved us to Tulsa. And it was a small, it was, it was a farming community. I mean, if you're not in farming, I mean, there's no reason to even stay around. And I will tell you, uh, I love those people. And those people love me. They took good care of me. 
I was their pastor. I was green as a gourd. I'm just telling you, but they loved on me and I did my best. Please listen to this. I did my best to try to preach the word of God. Now they all thought they died and went to heaven for about the first three or four months when I was preaching 25 minute messages on Sunday morning. But I got over that. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm just telling you, that's what the word of God would do. And uh, I will tell you, I was learning. I was, I, I'm still learning. I haven't arrived at trying to preach the Word of God, but I was learning and I was preaching the Word of God. And I'm telling you, we saw people saved every year. We saw people baptized. Uh, we saw some wonderful things happen there in that ministry. But I still remember one particular incident that uh, it was tough. It was tough. And... Uh, one of our good friends, he was three days uh, younger than me because we were born the same year and the same month. And uh, I still remember this, kind of like you know where you're at when JFK was shot or you know where you're at on 9-11. I know exactly what I was doing on February the 28th, 1997. I said to my desk, I was working on my Sunday morning message. My good friend, Mike, who was a deacon in our church, who was, I'm telling you, he was what everybody would want if they were a pastor in a church member. This is the kind of person he was. And I knew he was going in for gallbladder surgery and uh, didn't think much about it. And I got a phone call about 10 o'clock. And his mom said, uh, they've opened Mike up and he's full of cancer. And I will tell you, folk, that that was a very difficult phone, talk, phone call to take. I'm just 30 years old at that time. I don't have a lot of learning. I don't have a lot of experience with this. But I will tell you, and the reason I say all that is for this. But I'll tell you what got us through that situation. The Word of God. I can't explain to you everything that God did during, that happened on the last day of February and He passed away on August the 13th of that year. But I'm going to tell you, it completely changed our church and it took us to another level. Now I'm going to attribute that to one thing. The Word of God. And I didn't know a lot to do but to just try to help people and try to preach the Word of God and try to get people where they are because I'm going to tell you, nobody ever expects to have the unexpected happen to them. I came across a, an interesting quote and I think it's very good. It's by uh, Tim Keller. He wrote a book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And he said this, I love this. He said that no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put a good life together, no matter how hard we have worked to be healthy, wealthy, comfortable with friends and family, and successful with our career, something will inevitably ruin it. Because you can't count on the unexpected. Because there's a lot of things that come into our life that, well, I didn't see that coming. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen to me. And I'm going to tell you, that is the reality of life that every one of us must face in our own individual lives. And really, that's what we're going to find here in stanza number 11 of, 100, of the 119th Psalm. Now, this is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. And it is an alphabetic acrostic 
compared to the 22 Hebrew letters of the alphabet. This is the Kof section here. I think I'm saying that right, Kof. There's the 11th letter of the alphabet. And, and if you had a Hebrew Bible, and if you went through, every verse begins with that particular letter. Just, it's just something that God used under divine inspiration to put in his Bible here. And so this particular stanza really is, it is, it is, the, it is the halfway point through Psalms 119. And, and Charles Spurgeon said this. This is a great quote here. He said, The octave is the midnight of the psalm, and very dark and black as it is. Stars, he said, however, shine out, and the last verse gives promise of the dawn. Because I'm here to tell you, there's always something better coming. And when you don't have any hope, and everything seems hopeless, I'm going to tell you, I got hope in my Bible tonight. Every Everything in this psalm, in this particular passage, it seems to be bleak. It seems to be discouraging. And this psalmist here we're going to see is, I don't know who wrote it under divine inspiration, but somebody wrote it. And he's under tremendous pressure. He is under a great persecution here. And listen, he's hanging on to something. He's hanging on to God's word. Now, he didn't have a Bible like you and I have, but he had the scriptures. He had the word of God. And so I want you to notice something here. And I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to mention this. Back in, back in uh, this ninth stanza, which is verses uh, 65 down through verse number 72, here's what the psalmist talked about. He talked about because of the trials and because of the afflictions that he went through, he learned the word of God. Look at verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Verse 71, it's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. There are things that I have personally learned in the valley that I would have never learned on a mountaintop. That's what the psalmist is saying there. When you come to the 10th stanza, the psalmist shows that we maintain our stability in the midst of our afflictions by holding, listen to this, by holding on to God's purpose and learning to pray that the Word of God would control our emotions, our mind, our relationships, and our hearts. Would you look down there, verse number 80? Let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. Well, I want to remind you of this. I'm going to preach here in just a second. This 11 stanza is going to tell us this, that this psalmist had a very bad situation. And I'm not making, I wouldn't make light of anybody because everybody has different situations, but his situation was very, very difficult here because of the trials and because of the persecutions that he was facing here in his life. But he wasn't consumed. Would you look down there in verse 87? Almost. It's almost consumed, but not quite because I made it. You know why? Because he was hanging on to something that got him through the difficult times. So I want to say this to you tonight, that whatever you and I are experiencing in our individual lives, I'm going to say this, we can be expected to be pushed right to the very breaking point in our life. But I want to remind you of this. Back in Psalm 103, in verse number 14, the psalmist said, He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He knows what we're made out of. He knows how much He can put on us. He knows how much we can take. And He'll never put more on us than we're able to bear. So I want you to notice with me tonight, there are two particular truths I want you to see here to try to be a help to you and just to help us here 
Hanging on to hope when you feel helpless and hopeless. I want you to notice first of all here, and I want you to know this, I'm probably going to do this a little weird, but it just makes sense in my mind here. I want you to notice the psalmist situation because his situation is really not that different from our situation. So I want you to notice his situation here. Look here, verse number 81. He said, my soul fainteth for thy salvation. I want you to notice this. His soul is fainting here. The psalmist is stressed to the maximum limit. He is at the point of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual exhaustion in his life. Would you notice here the word fainteth? It's to be exhausted. It's to waste away. It is to perish. It is to be spent up. He is rapidly losing his mental, emotional, and spiritual consciousness. He's fainting. Watch this. The first man in your Bible that was said to be faint was a man by the name of Esau in Genesis chapter number 25. And he got through hunting and he came home and he thought he was going to starve to death. And Jacob was making some stew there. And he said, sell me some stew. And he said, give me your birthright because I'm about to faint. And he sold his birthright for a mess of stew there, a mess of pottage there in that particular passage. Don't miss this. And he wanted to rejuvenate his physical life. Well, the psalmist here is not thinking about his spiritual life. He's, he's, thinking, he's not thinking about his physical life. He's thinking about his spiritual life. He said, I need my soul, my soul fainteth for thy salvation. His goal was trying to maintain his spiritual stability in his life and he wants his spiritual life to be rejuvenated. He wants to have power over the salvation of his suffering that he is going through here in this particular situation. There are some people, don't miss this, there are some people that are so caught up in their physical problems they don't even think about their spiritual problems. But I'm here to tell you, our physical problems that we may have, we may go through, uh, they're nothing compared to the spiritual problems. You need to walk with God. You need to be right with God in every situation you find yourself in your life. You and I need God. His soul was fainting. Watch this. Look at verse 82. He said, mine eyes fail for thy word. I'm going to tell you, eyesight's a very precious gift. I lost, had a detached retina several years ago. And I'm telling you, that was scary to me personally, but I'm so thankful for doctors and medicine and all that. I'm thankful that God healed it. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't have eyesight, you can't see a lot. And you may not appreciate it until you no longer have it. So once you notice this here, the somnus eyesight is failing and it's not because of some infirmity that he has in his body here. It's not a physical infirmity. The idea is simply this, that his eyes have been scanning the word of God and he is searching for an answer for God from God's word to try to help him to get through this particular situation that he finds himself in here at this time. And he's looking so hard for an answer in God's word that his eyesight's beginning to fail him. I would say, listen to this, I say that man's desperate. You ever been that desperate? I gotta be in the word of God. I gotta find out what God's trying to tell me. I've gotta try to find out what God's mind is on this particular situation. I'm gonna tell you, there are multitudes of people out here in our society that are very desperate, but they never seem to stop and think that the answer might be in the Bible. 
Now, many times they find it in a bottle of booze or a book of philosophy or immoral activity. Come on. That's where people are at in our day and time. But the psalmist here is desperate and he is looking to see what does the word of God has to, has to say about this particular situation. You may be at the point in your life tonight where you say, I don't know if I can go on any further. I'm reading the Bible. I'm searching the word of God, but I don't seem to be getting anywhere. I don't, I don't seem to see anything in God's word. Well, can I tell you? Don't give up. You may be at the point of collapse. You may be where your eyesight, you say, I just, I can't go on. But I remind you this, that Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. His eyesight's failing. Notice down here in verse 83, look at this. For I'm become like a bottle in the smoke. Now, the stress that the psalmist is under here and portrayed in, is a picture that's very poignant, if I can say it in that terminology here. So we have to ask this question, what in the world is a bottle and a smoke? What is that? Well, first of all, it's not a glass bottle. They wouldn't have known that in that Middle Eastern culture. The bottle here would be like a skin leather bottle in the Middle East. And when these bottles, when they became empty, many times the owners would take them up, they would put them over a fire to allow them to dry out. And when they would hang up over that fire, they would be, they would be dried within. But also their skin would get rough. It would begin to crack. It would begin to, to lose its freshness. And the fire not only dried it out, but it, it but also, if it's not, listen to this, if it's not properly and periodically maintained by oil, it'll be destroyed. The psalmist, listen to this, the psalmist is saying, I feel like I'm completely wasted. I feel like I can't even go up. I'm empty. I'm used up. I'm shriveled up here. I'm dry. I'm useless. Have you ever felt like that? You just feel like, man, I'm so dry. I'm so useless. I don't know if I can go on, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to find here in just a moment, the psalmist did go on. He didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't hang up the word of God. He hung on to the word of God. Amen. And that's what he needed to do. And that's what you and I need to do in our lives. He's at the point of collapse, but he doesn't collapse. Watch this. Look here, verse number 85. He said, the proud have dig pits for me, which are not after thy law. The proud continue to dog his every step. And they, the Bible says they have digged pits for him. He understood, ladies and gentlemen, what it was like to go through life being like a hunted animal and this persecutors on his heels all the time. And, and I don't know if they were literal traps here, but I could just take the Bible what it says here, but they were trying to trap him. They were trying to ruin his reputation just exactly like the men did in Daniel chapter six with Daniel. They threw him in a lion's pit. I don't know what it could be, but the key point here is this that his enemies were out to destroy him. Wait, you have people like that in your life? Oh, it could be somebody you're dealing with at work, at school, in your neighborhood. 
in your family. I mean, it could be anything like that. But, but can I tell you, regardless of whether you have somebody that's literally on your uh, trail all the time, can I tell you this? You do have an enemy after you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil's a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may, devours. And ladies and gentlemen, wherever your enemies may be, wherever they find you, remember this. They are only puppets in the hand of the roaring lion. Because we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're dealing with spiritual warfare in our individual lives here. And I'm going to tell you that the devil and the world and your flesh will stay on you and they will do everything they can to destroy you. Almost. If you hang on to the word of God, you'll make it through there. You'll be all right. Once you notice this, look at verse number 86. Look at this. The last part of verse 86. They persecute me wrongfully. The psalmist is being persecuted for doing what he was doing, what was right. They pursued, they chased, they harassed, they followed him. They made his life miserable because he was simply trying to do what was right. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight, you're being wrongfully slandered, persecuted, lied about. Burn Rocky, I just thought if I was going to serve the Lord, everything would be great. Uh, no, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 15 and verse number 20, he said, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. In fact, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Boy, I just want to serve the Lord and I just desire to please the Lord. That's great. But you think you're not going to get some blowback on that? You think everybody's going to just say, well, after all, they just love the Lord. Let him go along. I'm going to tell you, we have an enemy and our enemy will do all that he can like the persecutor was trying to do here. And maybe they're doing it wrongfully and maliciously and they are slandering you. Can I tell you? You don't have to give up and be consumed. This is what the psalmist was going through. I want to submit to you that if you desire to serve and please the Lord, you're going to be persecuted. I just want to be happy. Uh, God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be like Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be conformed to His image in our individual lives. I'm just telling you the situation of the psalmist was pretty, pretty dire. Look at verse 87. He said, they had almost consumed me upon earth. The psalmist condition is so weak here that his enemies are about to consume him. Almost. But not quite. Did you notice that very important qualifier there in verse 87? Upon earth. What does that mean? Well, our enemies, they can stab, slice, burn, destroy this house of flesh that we live in. Listen, but they can never touch my true Christian life. They can't, trust the, they can't touch the spiritual part of my, uh, of, my, of my person, my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know, maybe you think, I'm just telling you, oh, don't watch the news. It is so discouraging. But we're on the winning side. We're going to win. 
don't know about you, but I've been waiting for a trumpet to sound. I've been looking for him to come back. That's what we're supposed to do. Oh, woe is us. No, we are not supposed to have that kind of a mentality. We're supposed to remember whose we are and where we're going. I remembered a story. I tried to look it up today, but I remembered when I was a teenager, I heard a a preacher give this illustration. For as I know, it's a true story. He acted like it was a true story. He He knew the missionary. There was a missionary. I don't remember what part of the world it was. But God had called him to go preach to some headhunters. And so he learned their language. He got the language and he said, I'm going to go up here. He, he believed God was leading him to go up here. He went up. These people had never seen a white man. I mean, this guy, they didn't know him. He got up here to this tribe where they were, where they were located. And before he could say anything, they caught him and they threw him a hut and they said, tomorrow you die. I'm going to be consumed. I didn't even get a chance to preach the word of God. And and so he was very discouraged. And and so he had a Bible. Started reading the Bible. Started reading there in John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He read that passage and he began to read it again. And he read it again. And all of a sudden he got excited. Because you know, if you read the Bible, you can get excited. And he got excited and he started banging on the hut and he said, cut my head off, cut my head, I want my head cut off right now. And they thought the guy had lost his mind. (laughs) And they got the chief up there and the the chief says, why do you want your head cut off? We're going to cut it off tomorrow. He said, because I'm going to a place where there's mansions. I'm going to a place that is prepared for me. And he told the chief about heaven. And the chief said, well, could I get something like that? And he preached the gospel and hundreds of men in that tribe got saved. Because there's a missionary who said, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm going to hang on to the word of God. Because it brought me here to get me through. He was almost consumed. Now, I want you to notice this very quickly. Watch this. Another indication of the high stress that the psalmist was dealing with here can be discerned, I want you to notice this, in the distraught questions that he's asking God. Would you notice this here? He's holding firm to God's word. Don't don't miss that. He's holding firm to God's word. He's not giving up. And yet, his spiritual stability does not negate his humanity. He's still a human being. He's trusting God, but he wants answers. He's he's desperate for answers. I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me. There are times in my life that I have wrestled with doubts and I have wrestled with fears in my own life and in our trials and so does the psalmist here. So once you notice this, he has three questions here. I want to mark them for you here. Look back at verse number 82. He said, when... Wilt thou comfort me? Now, if you, I'm not going to read it again for time's sake here, but the psalmist has just said that his soul is faint, that his eyes fail, but despite his weakened condition here, he has vowed to hope in God's word. I'm going to keep hoping in God's word. I'm going to hang on to God's word. And he knows the Lord is going to comfort him because he's got that from his word. The question is, when? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I know the Lord's coming back. That's not even a question in my mind, but when? Well, any time. Before we get through, it'd be okay. 
but he's coming back. Notice the, notice the second question here uh, in verse number 84. Watch this. How many are the days of thy servant? How much longer is this going to go on? How much longer can I take this? I've asked that question in my own humanity. God, how, how much longer is this going to have to go on in my life? That's what he's asking. Look at, uh, look at uh, verse 84, the last part there. When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? He has committed his enemies to God's care, not to personal vengeance. God, you need to take care of those people. And, and, and I, I want you to deal with them. But, but the question is this. Uh, when? When are you going to deal with this? I know you're going to do it, but I haven't seen any tangible evidence that you're even working this way. Come on. Is everybody with me? Don't. You got to get this. When is this going to happen? Question. Do you ever find yourself asking questions like the psalmist asked here in this passage? Please listen. I don't believe that's a lack of faith. I think asking questions of God and having faith in God are compatible. I think you can do both. Would you listen? To, I, this is another good statement by Tim Keller. Listen to this. Christianity teaches that contrary to fatalism, suffering is overwhelming. Contrary to Buddhism, suffering is real. Contrary to karma, suffering is often unfair. But contrary to secularism, suffering is meaningful. There is a purpose to it, and if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and make and make and unto and to more stability and spiritual power in our life than we can ever imagine. Because things do not happen by chance or luck or coincidence. God works through providence. And I, I'll just be honest with you, I, I've not always appreciated the workings of God in my life and when things go wrong and things go bad and people die and people suffer, I've not always appreciated those times in my life. But God's taught me some things that I would have never learned any other way. That's where the psalm, this is a situation. And this is a situation that you and I face from time to time in our life. Now I want you to notice this here, real quick, look at this. I want you to notice his solution to all that he's just talked about here. Because how he responded to these circumstances, how he could maintain his balance and perspective in the midst of his trials, uh, I think that's something you and I can do. We can hang on to hope even when we're hopeless and helpless. I think we can do the same thing. So I want you to notice this here. Go back to verse number uh, 86. And I want you to know this. I forgot to say this. Psalm 119 really is the prayer of the psalmist as it relates his relationship to the Word of God. How the Word of God, in fact, I believe if memory serves me right, the, 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 uh, there is some synonym for the Word of God in every verse except 121 in Psalm 119. It's, a, it's, a, it's about the Word of God. So our heart attitude towards the Word of God is the key to our ability to grow in our spiritual lives. I'm going to park here for just a second. You'll never be what you need to be in your Christian life if you're not in this book. 
church will be boring. You just, oh, God, is ever going to end? Well, excuse me. Uh, here's what this is, folks. This is steak and taters. This is bread. This is milk. This is honey. This is our spiritual sustenance that we need in our individual life. And I'm going to tell you, if we're going to survive, if we're going to make it, we're going to have to spend time in God's Word every day. So notice this here in verse number 86. Watch this. Look at the last three words of verse 86. Help thou me. Very simple, very short, very much to the point, but very effective. Prayer is a relationship with the Lord. Simply just walking with Him, talking with Him each and every day. I wish, please listen, I wish I could say, I've always had the perfect prayer life. But I will tell you this, I didn't really learn to pray until I went through that situation in Johnson, Kansas in 1997. That's a whole other issue I could talk about. I'm just telling you, that was something that God used in my life to lead me really how to get a hold of him and pray and talk to him. And the psalmist says, I, I need you to help me, help me. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, when we walk in the word of God and we pray, God can work through us. But notice something else he does here. Look at verse 88. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. Quicken is to make alive. It's to infuse with new life. It is to give power. Watch this. And it's according to his loving kindness. That's a good Hebrew word there. For his mercy and his goodness and his faithfulness and his love and his acts of kindness. He said, I need you to quicken me that way. Can, can I say it another way? In a New Testament sense, we need God's grace. We need God's grace. What do you do when your back is up against the wall and there's nowhere to go and there's nowhere to turn? Where do you go? And you feel like, I can't go on any further. And I feel like I'm almost consumed. What do you do? You wait for the grace of God to infuse you to get you through that situation. Is that Bible? I believe it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, Paul says, Jesus speaking to Paul, and when Paul says, God, I've got this thorn in the flesh, would you please remove it? God says, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul. There are a lot of things we'd never get through if we didn't have God's grace. We need God's grace. But I want you to notice something else here. And really, this is, I want you to see this. I'm just going to mention him. Verse 81. I hope in thy word. Verse 82. Mine eyes fail for thy word. Verse 83. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. In verse number 85. The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. He measures his enemies by the word of God and they are found to be wanting here. Verse number 86, all thy commandments are faithful. Verse 87, but I forsook not thy precepts. Verse 88, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. What are you hanging on to? What are you holding on to? When you're in a hopeless, helpless situation, I hope it's the Word of God. The Word of God. 
I can remember when I pastored in Tulsa. It's been about 15 years ago. And there's some things that, I, there's some things I can't remember. There's some things just like yesterday. And this is one of those sentences. The devil had taken the club of discouragement and I mean just beat the devil out of me. <laughs> Literally. I mean just, oh. And I'm telling you, I was reading the word of God and God worked in my life in the book of Jonah and I got up and I preached a message for me. For me. And I'll tell you, I, I can honestly say that that doesn't mean I've never been discouraged since, but I have never had what I had like back then. Oh, what do you relate that to? You must have been reading some good books. I was reading the good book. I was holding on to the Word of God because my hope is in the Word. The Word of God can get you through whatever situation, whatever the circumstance is, whatever you're facing, you've got to have the Word of God because it's what's going to get you through. Well, that sounds really, that sounds, you know, just really simple. Uh, well, it's pretty complex because it's God's Word. But it'll get you through the tough times in your life. It'll sustain you through every, every trial and every affliction. I want to encourage you. I know there are many people here that do. But if you don't read your Bible every day, listen to me. Spend time in God's Word every day. It'll make a huge difference in your life. It'll make a difference in your marriage. It'll make a difference in your family. It'll make a difference wherever you're at. It'll make a difference because you need the Word of God. I'm... I'm amazed. I don't want to go to seat on this too much, but I'm amazed. I, I work with students at Heartland and I love what I do. But I'm amazed how many of them, they're having problems. And the first question asked, you reading your Bible? No, Brother Rocky, I've not been reading my Bible like I need to. Well, there's the problem. Because you've got to go back to the Bible. You've got to hope in his word. Now watch this. Look at this and I'm almost done. Look at this here in verse 80. Go back to verse 83. Look at this. For I'm become like a bottle in the smoke. That smoky bottle there expresses how he felt. He was empty. He was spent. He was wasted. He was dried up. And he realizes it. And he has come, listen, and he's come to the end of himself, which is exactly where God wanted him in the first place, where God wants us in our own individual lives. Because ladies and gentlemen, we cannot handle the things, the circumstances, the sorrows, the afflictions that come into our life, the trouble, the temptations. We can't handle that on our own. We're a needy people. And what do we need to do? Well, we need to talk to him. We need to spend time in his word. We need to say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. I need your help. Infuse me. Give me grace. Give me something in the word of God to help me get through this situation. I'll tell you, he'll do it. Because as the psalmist says, I hoped in thy word. I believe it was Jeremiah that said this. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God's a faithful God. 
He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's a good God. In fact, look down here in verse number 68. Mrs. Weiniger told this as her favorite verse, but it fits right here. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Can I tell you, God's a good God. And every day you ought to tell God he's a good God. You ought to acknowledge God no matter what happens today, no matter on my worst day, no matter what I'm going through, God, you're still good. Because his goodness does not depend on my circumstances. He's good. If I'm having a good day, if I'm having a bad day, it doesn't matter. He's still a good God. I just want to encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, hope in God's word. Because the psalmist went through some horrible situations in his life compared to what we all go through at some point in our life. But he was hanging on to God's word. And he needed to be quick and he needed God's grace. And listen, and he needed to come to the end of himself where he said, I can't do this. I'm not able to. Because when it gets tough, he'll be with you. You can hope in the book. But the book won't do you any good if it's just sitting on a coffee table and it's not being picked up and you just bring it to church and hearing what the preacher says when he preaches and putting it back on the coffee table. You got to read it every day. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I thank you so much for your kind attention to the Word of God tonight. <clears throat> I'm not sure where you might be in your individual life tonight. But there might be somebody here tonight in this auditorium that their soul is fainting. And they just need to be rejuvenated in their soul. There could be somebody here tonight. They're looking for an answer from God's word. God, I, I need you and I just don't seem to find it. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, I just feel empty. I feel dry. I just, I don't, I feel like there, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm telling you, you got to come to the end of yourselves. And I want to remind you tonight that we do have an enemy that is doing all that he can to try to destroy us, destroy our testimony. Oh, he never gives up. He never quits. He's on it 24-7. But I can have victory. Jesus had victory over the devil with the word of God. And maybe there's someone here tonight and maybe your perspective is out of kelter. I just, oh, Brother Rocky, I just feel like I'm not winning. I'm here to tell you, we've already won because Jesus died and rose again for our salvation. But maybe I can encourage somebody tonight to be faithful in 2024 reading your Bible every day. Every day. Every day, read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Every day, spend some time before God in prayer. This, well, that's so simple, basic. Yeah, it is, but I'll tell you, if people would do it consistently and make a difference, not only in their individual life, it'd make a difference in their church life. I don't know, maybe the Spirit of God has spoken to you about something completely different, and that's all right. I just know this is where He directed for me to be this evening. But whatever, whatever you need to do, whatever your needs are, I'll tell you, it's in the Word. It's in the Word of God. Let's stand together tonight. Lord, I want to thank you for your Word tonight. I want to thank you that we 
can hang on to hope. Oh, not the hope of this world that we're not certain about, but the certainty of God's word. Certain. It's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. Lord, would you just take the words of this stanza, the 11th stanza of the 119th Psalm, would you do a work in hearts and lives tonight? Just accomplish your purpose. Encourage hearts and lives. Help people to be Bible readers. If they're not, help them to be consistent in reading the Word of God each and every day. Help them to spend time with you every day. And Lord, help them to remember you're still good regardless of the situation, the circumstances they might find themselves in. Would you bless this invitation now? In Jesus' name, amen.